Hey everyone, welcome to Conversation Piece with Patrick Armstrong. I am the titular Patrick, and this is a show where we talk about the missing pieces of the conversations we're already having. Special shout out to all our returning listeners and a high five and hello to everyone joining us for the very first time. Thank you so much. For too long, adoptees have not been the authors of our own stories. That's changing. And this month, we're joining the discourse to be part of that change. Together with BIPOC adoptees, we are reclaiming our narratives by honing in on specific areas of the BIPOC adoptee experience that need to be amplified right now. This is a brave space for adoptees to share with the world what we know is needed both inside and outside of our community. These are the BIPOC adoptee conversations. My guest today was born in Bogota, Colombia and adopted to the U.S. in 1994. He grew up primarily in the Midwest and lived in Minnesota and Nebraska for most of his childhood. He is a proud immigrant, adoptee, and transgender human. He's lived in the Pacific Northwest for 12 years, and you could find him camping, kayaking, hanging out with his cat, Kina, and dog, Taz, and playing by the water. It is an honor and my privilege to welcome Danny Marr to the show. Hey, Danny, thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Patrick. I'm so excited uh, to chat with you and get started. Absolutely. I am very excited. And and again, like I said, it's an honor and privilege to be able to have you on the show, to be able to share some of your story and be able to hear a little bit of your wisdom and knowledge when it comes to the specific missing pieces that we're going to address in our conversation today. Before we jump into that conversation, I do want to ask you one question that we did not talk about uh, before we hopped on air. And it is, we're doing this series in partnership with BIPOC adoptees. Can you share a little bit about your relationship with that group or how you came to come into contact with them? Yeah, of course. So kind of funny. So I actually got in contact with the group because my partner um, had found them on Instagram and she had seen what they were doing. And she was like, hey, have you reached out to them? Like, I really think you should dive into this. You might be like really excited to, to learn more. And and I dove into it, but I won't lie. I kind of saw it and then I didn't touch touch it for a couple months. Sure. And then I finally got brave and, um, you know, I, I think like message, my partner's name is Megan. So her message kind of like rang out to me one day and then I, I decided, you know what, I should check them back out. So I did. And then I sent an email, um, reached back out and just said, Hey, like I'm interested in, in learning about what you're doing. And my name is Danny. I do photography on the side. Um, you know, I'm, have a lot of um, experience within the adoptee world, would love to chat more. And then we kind of just dove in. Um, and then I started working with the group, taking some photos at their last event, um, really listening in on the content and what they're doing. Um, and really just, I love the, I love what we're doing, right? It's to your point, Patrick, like we never get to drive the narrative. We never get to have our stories be put out, let alone BIPOC stories, right? Right. Um, and to be really unfiltered about it. So I really joined, I chatted with them. I loved what they were doing. I was like, hey, however I can help, let's do it. Um, I come from a very like community di- driven background. And mm. so for me, it's, you know, how can I help? What can we do? The more power you have together, like the faster the change will be, right? And mm. ultimately, like their message was exactly what I think most adoptees want is we want to be in control of the narrative. We want to be the ones sharing the stories. And so that's that's kind of how it happened. It was very organic. Um, and I've just I've loved it ever since. Just like getting to meet more people, listening to more perspectives. And then I think it pushed me too to kind of um get more involved. I think as adoptees, you know, 
whether you're just starting out, sometimes you want to acknowledge, <laughs> acknowledge it and process it. And sometimes sure. you don't. And I think within season, so it's been really great to, to dive back in and, you know, connected with you. And it's been a really great source of community. I appreciate you sharing that. I really love what you said about the more power we have together, you know, the, the faster and the greater things that we can do. And I think that's Absolutely. really important. And it's such an important message to share because for us, you know, this journey can be very isolating. It can be very lonely. It can be very, you know, individual. And when we are able to find a community of people, and not everybody in the adoptee community is going to be your people, but when you're able to find those people and move from safety to bravery and be like, okay, yes, let me get involved. Let me do these things. It's really empowering, you know, and it really can set you on this path to do, like you said, some amazing things. So I really appreciate sharing that. I think it's really helpful context for the conversation we're about to have. And I know that I just introduced you a little bit, gave a little bit of some of the things that you do and you're involved in, and you talked a little bit more about it. But I was wondering for folks who may not know who you are, who are listening right now, if you could share just a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Patrick. Um, yeah, I grew up in the Midwest, Minnesota and Nebraska primarily. It wasn't that bad, I promise. Um, <laughs> it was a good time. And then I moved to the West Coast um, in 2011 in Portland in particular. So I've been mm. out here for a minute now. Um, I have an interesting story, I guess, in the sense that I was adopted in Colombia and born in Colombia. And uh, my birth parents, my adopted parents, excuse me, uh, my dad is American and my mom adopted mother is Colombian. So mm. I was technically an inner country adoptee. Sure. Um, and then we ended up moving because my father is American to the US. So it's a little it's a little different in the sense that in technicality terms, <laughs> I was inner country adopted, but I grew up from my memories, right? Um, you know, here in the US. So sure. um, that's a little bit about me and my background. I, you know, was able to find my family and reunite with them um, in 2018. But it took like eight years of searching. Um you know, like my story and just like the healing that comes with adoption is a big part of who I am as for many folks. Um, and outside of that, I work in tech. I love camping. And like you mentioned, just hanging out outside, um, big basketball fan as well. Ooh. Um, yeah, a Blazer fan right now. It's it's a little touchy. It's a little hard to be a Blazer fan oh, right wow. now. Oh, wow. We are going to have to have some conversations about this <laughs> off air. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Damian Lillard, don't go. Um, but no, I love basketball. And yeah, you could just catch me kind of overall community guy, do photography on the side as well, too. I love that. Um, thank you again for sharing a little bit more about your own story and your background. And yeah, I think that is a very interesting lived experience that you have because we don't yeah. hear that, I think, very often. And then to combine it with everything else, all the other intersectional identities that you inhabit, I think gives you a very unique perspective on this community, on what it means to be an adoptee and what it means to just be a human being navigating this world. Um, yeah. Before we hop into that missing piece, I'm going to ask one more question I feel like a lot of adoptees who I've met over the last three years find themselves either fully immersed in or on the side immersed in some sort of creative project. And yours uh, in particular is photography. Is that something that you picked up during your identity journey or was it something that kind of came about before all of this? And then is there any correlation now to the photography work that you do? 
Yeah, great question. I mean, it's something that I've always loved. I always loved photography. Um, my brother one day mentioned, he's like, you always had a camera, like when we were kids, <laughs> you know, the just always running around trying to take pictures. But ultimately, like growing up, I just never saw it as a career, like journey or path. Mm. Um, unfortunately, like I just... I think there's pressures, right, too, as coming from like an immigrant family. It was like, yo, <laughs> not the arts, other things. <laughs> and and honestly, I I I think you reach a point. I'm in my in my early 30s, but there's a point where it's like, okay, it's now or never. And I'm mm. not like the only one, right? Like during COVID, I think a lot of us <laughs> were kind of thinking through like, okay, what's um what's our passion? What are we what are we really into? Right. And I realized, okay, this is something I've always loved. And I'm ready to do it now. But I think the reason, and I love that you asked this, um, the reason it came up too is because once I finally reunited with my family, I had space to like choose what I wanted to do or to even mm. think about what I wanted to do, right? Because I didn't realize until after, you know, I found them in my reunion, how much that was taking, right? Sure. It was consuming. I had mentioned I searched for eight years, right? And so after that, uh, finally chapter closing, it was kind of like, okay, what is it that I want to do? What do I like doing? And I think um, through COVID during that time was when I created the logo. I hung out with my cousin, we made it um, and created it. And then really I just started diving into it where it was like, this is, this is a passion of mine. This is something that I enjoy. And I think, and anything, right. Even what you're doing, like creatively, it's like, we don't lose anything by just doing it, right? right. Like we have to take the chance. If we don't take the chance, we never know, right? A hundred percent. And so that's kind of where I'm at. But that's really what allowed me to finally kind of do it was combination of COVID, timing, and then just the space, like being able to finally have the space, I think, after reunion, after kind of, um, I wouldn't say everything is fixed after reunion, you're still sure. figuring it out. But I do think there was like, I had more time. I had sure. more space and I was able to really be like, okay, what is it that I'm interested in? What is, what is in the back of your head that you're, you've been ignoring. Right. And that was it for me where it was like creatively, mm. I had been wanting to do it. Like I mentioned as a kid, but I had always never done it. I didn't, right. you know, and then so far it's been going well, lots of fun projects and, and yeah, I've really enjoyed kind of just connecting. And that is a goal of mine is to be able to capture whether it's adoptees, their story, um, and also to like reunions, right? Or, um, you know, one thing that that is a touchy subject, but if you do foster, if you do adopt, right? But particularly if you're fostering and then you adopt, you're not able to take photos during that time mm. at all. And so a big passion of mine is like, okay, hey, if someone wants to do those things and, you know, take photos, family portraits, or finally be able to, to ex express themselves in that way, that is something that I want to be a part of. Or community groups like the BIPOC adoptee group. If you want an adoptee to come through and like take photos of your interactions or projects you're doing, I love to be a part of that because I do think that it helps, right, to have someone that either identifies in some way of what you're doing and allows for that safer space. And again, to what you're talking about, like it allows us to control that narrative a little bit more to know like, mm -hmm. okay, that's an adoptee who also understands it to some component. Right. Cause I yeah. do think that's the beauty and the tragedy, but the more the beauty is that like adoptees across the board, like there is an understanding, even if it's right. a little bit where we all kind of get it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's really beautiful and lovely. The purpose behind why you do the things that you do from a, from a, 
ugh, from a photo- from a photography perspective. I think that's incredible, especially when you talk about, you know, if you do foster or if you do adopt or whether you're an adoptee or not. You know, I think that's really incredible because there are like you said, it's a touchy subject, especially within our community. And the fact that you open up this space for them and you give them the space to be like, I, I will capture these moments for you. And because you can understand it to a certain degree, I think is incredible. And I think that's an amazing thing that you're doing. And I know I keep pushing the conversation that we're supposed to be having back a little bit, but I have another <laughs> question. Yeah. You, you talked about once you reunited and entered into reunion, you had the space to pursue this project. Can you define what you mean by have the space? Sure. I mean, again, and this is from my experience, but, um, you know, I had been wanting to search for a long time. I had just like a lot of folks, you know, barely any information I had, you know, reason for, um, uh, abandonment, just partial abandonment. That was it. I didn't have my mother's name. I didn't have anything. And that drove me from like six years old to be like, okay, well, but why? And I was in foster care for about three and a half years in mm. Columbia before I was adopted, which is a long time. Yeah. So from three months to three and a half, and I couldn't find any, any trace. It was almost like as if I had vanished. And so I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just a pull like for my whole life where I was like, something's up, something's not right, like something's wrong. And it was consuming. Mm. And then in high school and early college, again, just consuming, couldn't stop. Um, I am privileged in the sense that I had my native language. I could go to Colombia. I am still dual citizen because of my adopted mother being Colombian. Okay. And so I was able to go and I went in 2017, um, And I basically went on this journey where I went twice. I tried to find them and did all sorts of stuff. Um, Couldn't couldn't get anywhere. Like the government was basically like, sorry, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. Um, And I knew that it was wrong. But at that point, I think there's a desperation, right, that that Mm. occurs. And this was early, right? This was like when Twitter was maybe just coming off. Okay. It wasn't super popular. It was easy to kind of DM anybody. And there was a series um, that was going in Colombia called... um, like Niños Robados or something like that, like children, stolen children, right, of Columbia or something like that. And it was a series. And my foster mom at the time reached out to me and was like, hey, I think you should check this out. And I watched it and essentially reached out to that news organization that connected me to the private investigator. Long story short, many years like in trying to connect with him and have conversations with him, I ended up... um, getting his help ultimately to find some information on my birth family. Um, but it took a long time. It took, you know, three flights. It took a lot of persistent, a lot of looking, and I didn't end up finding it through like the, the government agency. I found it through like special child protective services, essentially. Mm. Um, and I ended up, um, kind of a long story, but once I finally found them essentially, which again, if funny enough was through community and the reason my family and I reunited was because I was part of these like adoptee groups. And I had a friend that her whole mission essentially is to support birth mothers in finding their families, their children. Mm-hmm. And so what she did is she created a foundation where they would purchase DNA kits for mothers in Colombia to get their DNA swabbed in um, family DNA, I think is what it is, in order for them to have a database, essentially. So when an adoptee in America or in Europe or wherever, if they do a DNA test, then there is actual proof. Because the thing is, in a lot of these countries, our papers aren't digitalized, right? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to trust and to, to think that that's going to happen. Now, what's funny is my friend, we've been friends for eight years. I had never asked her if I could post anything on her Facebook group group because I was scared sure. because it was so public. I was sure. like, I don't know. I don't know. That's too much. That was my last straw where I was like, you know what? Can I do this? I had been uh, volunteering on the side to help her organization. And she was like, yeah, send me $25. We'll post it on the ad. We'll see what happens. And I was like, okay, cool. We'll do it on Facebook. No problem. Well, I did it. And then nothing happened for like three to four months. I didn't hear anything. I had hundreds of thousands of comments, tons of views, nothing. And at that point, I was like, this is done. I'm over. It's done. Like, no way am I ever going to find them. And I was 27 at the time. And I remember like, no joke, I was on on the subway going to a a Blazers game. (laughs) And I was and I was so frustrated because I was like 100,000 views, tons of stuff, nothing. I'm done. Like, I was like, I can't keep doing this, you know. And um, my adopted mom and I were on the phone and she was like, I think you should just stop. Like, you, you, you know, she was like telling me all this stuff. And I got so hurt. That I was like, this is mean. Like I, it was just such a thing. But then I thought to myself, like, maybe she's right. Like maybe I should stop searching. Maybe I should have the opportunity to like think about other things. Right. But that evening, Patrick, like on everything, I came home to deactivate that account. And I had a message waiting from my niece and a cousin saying, Hey, we know who your parents are. We know who your family is. And it was, it was crazy. Like it was, it was unreal. Um, and then within 48 hours, my life changed. I was able to really confirm that it was them. My cousin in Colombia was able, my adopted cousin in Colombia was able to interview them and, and really vet them out for me because that was just something I couldn't do. Um, and I was able to find them and, um, you know, fast forward a few months, I met my mom and I remember that moment when I was, I was with my ex fiance at the time and we were sitting in the, in this like mall essentially, and we interacted, but I could physically feel a weight get off my body Mm. when I finally was able to tell her like, I'm okay. Like, it's okay. And, you know, for me, my story is similar to a lot of folks. I was removed from my house from Child Protective Services. My mother couldn't read. She can't write. She's very, very poor. And she, I was very sick. So she thought she was going to get me back, which is Mm. why it took so long for me to find her because she had never actually signed her rights away. Right. But but I had other siblings. And so ultimately what happened was they threatened her and they're like, hey, if you don't sign this, we'll take the four, the other four, you know. And so she had no option. But in that interaction, I remember her being like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's OK. Like, you know, I like I'm I, I'm I forgive you. It's OK. Like you saved my life. But I could feel it felt like a rock or the weight that I had been holding this entire time finally was gone. And then I could, you know after some healing, but Patrick, I was able to be like, what do I like now? Like, what can I do with my life? What is, where does my passion come from? And I, I do think like, you know, everybody's story is different, but I do think it, it allowed me to finally be able to kind of like think about myself in a way. Cause I think I really was just feeling that weight between her of like, I, something was wrong. I had to meet her. I had to tell her and it, and, and it worked out, but it was, it was a it was a big journey, but I think I finally realized too, even in self reflection, right? From like, 
I felt it at six, right? That something mm-hmm. was wrong. Cause I remember being like, what does partial abandonment mean? <laughs> like, how does that happen? <laughs> like, you know, that doesn't exist. And yeah. then from, you know, like from six until 27, right? Just like the consumption of like, if you think about a normal, normal trajectory, right? During those early 20s, that's where you're trying to experience like, what am I into? What do I right. like? All those things. And I really, I really wasn't. I was really like, just trying to figure this one piece out. Damn, Danny, thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> You're and welcome. I'm like, I don't know, I'm processing so much. Having just recently done, like started a birth search myself uh, when I was in Korea recently and thinking about all this, like that, that and really resonating with that weight leaving. Like I have, I'm not in reunion and I doubt I ever will be. But um, just thinking about I had a similar feeling when I reached this period of self acceptance that I find myself in about a year and a half ago now. And I literally in that moment felt this rock this weight leave my body. And it was like, Oh, damn, I know who I am now. I'm like, I I love this person. And I give the grace to this person and all of these things that would unlock this part of myself that would allow me to finally move forward instead of moving laterally all the time like actually take tangible steps in a direction that would allow me to do the things and pursue the things that I wanted to do to have space for that. I can really resonate with that, that weight leaving and being able to finally pursue those things. But then everything else that you had going on with your reunion. And I feel like you gave gave us the cliff notes version of it. I'm just like, okay, I have so many questions about (laughs) all of that. And I realized this is not what we came here to talk about, but I am just Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's it, it's truly remarkable to hear your story. I've heard a lot of reunion stories, and no single one is the same. And I think yeah. the, the 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 journey, the story, the experience that you just shared with us is really really powerful. And I appreciate that. And I'm going to have to have you back on the show so we can talk yes. more about that in the, the future. Two. Because yes, a part two, absolutely. Okay, let's 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 get into why why I have you here in the first place. And again, I just want to really quickly before that, thank you so much for sharing that again. What I've learned in podcasting, it's a privilege when anybody tells you anything about their life. And the fact that you just shared that with me and with this audience here really, really means a lot to me. And and it's not something that I take lightly. And the fact that that's not even what we're here to talk about makes (laughs) it it's it's it means a lot. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, But what we are here to talk about is the missing piece around what it means to be a BIPOC adoptee, what it means to experience and have that lived experience. So from your perspective, Danny, what do you think is missing from that conversation right now that we need to be focusing on? Thanks, Patrick. I mean, a couple of things. I think what you just shared, too, is part of that missing uh, missing experience, too. I think both of our experiences of you, like, removing that weight, right, sure. from your own experience of not being in reunion, and then for mine of, like, being in reunion and also feeling that weight. I also think that's something that we don't really talk about and is, is currently being missed out on, right? That yeah. it can happen either way. Because I think when you're first starting out, we think that weight isn't going to come away unless we meet our family, right? Right. But you're, you're proof that, that that's not true. So I think that's that's part of it, of the conversation. And then the other part um, is continuing to uplift like trans, queer, LGBT plus adoptees who have multiple intersections, right, within their journey, um, particularly in reunion and self-discovery that just aren't really represented or heard. I'm very privileged that my adopted brother is also gay. And so Mm. it was also like, um, it's been a very beautiful 
a little comical, but very grateful to have that support because sure. we were, we've both been able to through our separate journeys, but be able to look at each other to learn like, okay, how does this work? Or how does, how are you navigating these spaces? And then for me, you know, what was um, interesting is like, I ended up transitioning, I believe like maybe three months before I met my family like okay. my, my biological family. And so that was also new where I remember sure. feeling this pressure of like, oh crap, because something that we don't talk about, right, is right. in reunion, you have to, I had to come out to my birth family. And it wasn't just like, you know, you know, I'm whatever the identity, but for me, it was like, I'm trans. I'm not the daughter that you thought you had, or I'm right. not going to look in the way that you, it kind of just, um, it just adds another layer, right, of the yeah. process that you don't hear, right? Because you you hear about the reunion stories, but I had never heard of a trans reunion yeah. or, or yeah. what that even looks like, or even how do you come out to your birth family, especially if you're opposite of like on paper what maybe they thought, right? Like right. there just wasn't that conversation, and we exist, we're everywhere, um, and it just needs to happen more. Again, to your point of like taking that narrative sharing our stories and saying, Hey, we're here. And this, this does happen. Um, and I think for me, you know, I, I did this coming out and, and doing all these things, but I didn't realize the impact that it would have. And, um, my brother, you know, he had told me basically how, how touched he was to see that I, that I was doing that. Like one day mm -hmm. he was like, wow, like you, like you came out to them and they loved you and they accepted you. And, you're still continuing to do that. Um, but I do think that that's a big piece that's missing within, within our experience, right. Is like folks who are navigating those intersections and, and that we exist, right. And it is complicated, but that it is absolutely possible to be your truly authentic self. It's terrifying. Don't get me wrong. There's <laughs> nothing that will prepare you for it because it's, absolutely debilitating, but I felt like I had no choice, right? Like sure. there wasn't, I, I mean, they were like, we want to meet you. We want to see you. And I was like, well, <laughs> yes, but let me like share a little bit first, you know, right. um, before we get into it. But I think that's a big part that I, I hope to, to be, um, having more of those, of those conversations and then uplifting, right? Because it is about sharing different stories from across all intersections, a hundred percent. I really appreciate you sharing that. Something we talk about on this show a lot, and it's not, this is not a specifically adoptee focused show, but we talk a lot about different marginalized communities. And one of the things that always comes up is this idea of us not having models, regardless of what community we come from, about how to do this, do that, do the other thing. Like we've, for a lot of us, we've had to either uncover it and then we find these models and we find these examples later in life as we come to consciousness or we have to become that model for people who come after us because there will always be someone that's coming after us who is not maybe experiencing the exact same thing, but experiencing something similar. And we're looking for a mirror, something to show us, oh, okay, I'm not alone in this. There is somebody yeah. who's went through this, had a similar experience that I can look to and be like, okay, that, that makes sense because this is what I'm experiencing. And it sounds like you, one, maybe had one of those models or at least somebody who could go through this at, simultaneously with your brother. But then also you are stepping into this idea of being the model for folks who come to this community or come to this conversation much later in the game who mm -hmm. are 
finding navigating reunion, navigating even the intersectionalities of all their different identities and might be struggling, might be sitting in an isolated position and not know where to look and what you're doing now. And the way that you talk about it so, so eloquently and beautifully, I think is really incredible because you are becoming and fulfilling that model role that we that everyone needs to see mm. in order to be able to live in, like you said, their full humanity. To be able to inhabit all those things doesn't mean it's not scary. Doesn't mean it's not, like you even said, debilitating in ways that can make you feel like I can't leave the house today or I can't talk to anybody today because I got to be dealing with this. But to know that there is community, to know that there are people who have experienced something similar and to be able to, if not connect, at least follow along on that journey is so, so powerful and important. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that and, and living into that right now. I think it's so important for us and so important for our community. And the other thing is intersectionality. Like we, I, when I first came in this community, it felt like, okay, you're Korean and you're adopted. And like, you can only like, that's, that's as much as we can get into. Like you can only get into those two things. And for me, like I'm, I don't, intersect with too many different things i think i listed like six of them last time but it's like for the most part i'm a cis straight man and i'm tall i consider tall as an identity and privilege that i have um but it's like you know i fit into these these roles that generally have a lot of people that you can look to and see something similar in and when we look at our communities like there are so many other intersections that somebody can inhabit, whether it be queer, transgender, being part of the LGBTQ community, uh, neuroability, disability, um, whatever it might be. Like somebody can inhabit all of those things and be find themselves like, how do I live into all of this when people are over here like, oh, well, we can only address your Asianness or we can only address your queerness or whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, to have somebody be able to model what it looks like to find their way into all of that is super, super important. And so how do we as an adoptee community make sure that we are addressing our trans, queer, LGBTQ community members and making sure that they're not feeling like, oh, this part of my identity is not important because I'm an adoptee and I have to figure that out? That's a great question. I mean, I think it's with anything, right? It's passing the mic. It's mm. if you're if allowing the space to have someone challenge your perspective, to share a different story, and then to be flexible enough to hear it, right? Because I think that's part of it is like the only way that we're going to allow for folks to take up that space or to your point to have more of those models is to share, is to network, is to, I mean, even just me being on this show, right? Like I reached out to the BIPOC adoptees, they're connected with you. They reached out to me and we're like, Hey, maybe this would be helpful. And that's how change happens within community where it's like, you're just keeping your ears open and you're, and you're, and being in touch with your network. Like mm. I, I think too, like thinking, how can I, You know, I think the world would be a lot better place if we just think, how can I help someone out or like, what can I do to adjust to help them on their journey? Um, I think that's the biggest spot is just allowing folks the opportunity and then to to challenge yourself. If you're in a leadership position, really sit with it and think about it. Like, am I look at whatever it is you're doing? Am I using my platform to the best of my abilities? Can I 
you know, bring in another perspective. We, I mean, I think the best conversations are when you are talking to someone that's going to challenge you. Right. Mm. Um, and that is going to show you differently. And, you know, and I think you're right that a lot of us that are in these positions, you know, I didn't want to be the leader or the pioneer or whatever, (laughs) like absolutely not. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't have an option. And then I was really grateful for my allies. I had, um, you know, at the time a partner that was not adopted, but she was my, she was the reason why really I was able to, to find them like the same night that I had the message. She was like, yo, I'm driving from Seattle to, to Portland. I'm going to be there. It's going to be okay. We'll figure it out. And Mm. then I had another non-adoptee friend that she had no idea what this experience was like. But when I got to talk to my mom on the phone for the first time, she was sitting right next to me and she was like, yo, I got you. I have no idea what's about to be said because she didn't speak Spanish, Mm. but she was going to be there, you know? And I think like, that's also important of like, you I think we get, especially right now in the culture that we're in, right? It's this idea that you have to know everything, that you can't mess up, but it's not true. Like sometimes right. the simplest thing you can do is just being there and being mm. open to to hear and listen and to really follow through with that. And I think if we just do those things, we'll really be able to help within our community too. I love that. That's the soundbite right there. Sometimes the simplest thing that you can do is just be there. <laughs> Like, and I think we, we lose that sometimes because again, this journey's so individual it, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I, sometimes you can't show up for anybody else other than yourself. And yeah. at the same time, we also like, as we come to consciousness and, and become part of this larger community, we have to realize too, that we are part of that bigger, broader fabric. And that at the end of the day, if we can show up for ourselves, we can absolutely show up for somebody else in the community. And it doesn't have to be, I'm here to fix you. I'm here to give you the answer on how to navigate this because, oh, I went through something similar. It's simply, I'm here. Whatever you need, like if you just need somebody to talk to, I will not say a single word. Like just just lay it on me. And I think that is so, so important to hear, particularly for our community, but also for folks outside of our community. And I really like that you brought up the two examples of your friends who and your partner who were not adopted, who came and, and gave themselves up to be in community with you as you navigated this journey, what advice would you have or or what would you say to folks outside of our community like those two people do they need to do to make sure they're also addressing specifically the trans, queer, and LGBTQ community members of the adoptee community? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think it's just allowing yourself to, to you know, if you have someone in your life that, that fits that, be supportive, ask the questions. Like even just how can I help make such a difference? Mm. Um, and just telling someone I'm here for you, you know? Um, I think sometimes, especially in those moments, like you do just need someone to be there for you and to know yeah. that like they might not have the answers, but just being there. I know it sounds really simple, but it's I think it really does go a long way because we're all busy and we all have stuff. But really, ultimately, like if you just tell someone that you're there and you see them or like they're going through whatever it is, like it really does make such a big difference. And I think when I think back on that time and even since then, right, like since reunion, since things come up, like the dynamics of that, it's just been people that are willing to listen and people that are willing to like just hear you out and share their perspective. And that makes such a huge difference. It really does especially for this particular conversation and this particular piece that we're addressing here, you know, I do, I do think it is all the same kind of advice at the moment. Like we just have to be willing to listen. We have to be willing to sit and listen to understand, not to respond. 
listen to, and even at the end of the day, like we can never fully understand anybody else's experience because it's not ours. Like I can't, I don't live in your brain or your body. I can't understand that fully, but what I can do is sit, build empathy and also can resonate with certain ideas and aspects of your story that are similar to mine. Like that weight that we, that we lost, you know, not the same, not in the same way at all, but it allowed us to live more fully into who we are. And if we can find ways to sit with each other and reach those points of commonality, then we can move in solidarity together and take two steps forward and only one step back, as opposed to the illusion of progress of one step forward, two steps back. And also do your own research, do your own Mm. advocacy, like find your own support group too. I think, you know, that does make a huge difference and it means a lot to us. When I have partners that are like, I'm going to look into this. How can I best support you? Even my partner reaching out about the BIPOC adoptees, like that's scary too, as a non-adoptee to be like, Hey, I found this resource. I don't know. But those types of things really do make a difference, you know? And I think just not being afraid to take your own time to Mm. do the researches for yourself, to like help yourself first. But then also if there are things that you think might be helpful to share with a loved one in your life that's impacted by adoptee or being trans LGBT plus all the intersectionalities, it does make a difference. Um, Cause I think they both go hand in hand. You have to do some self work, but right. then you also have to be open to just listen and just being there and we'll figure it out. I mean, that's really what it is. Like anything I've ever dealt with, you know, I had no idea what I was doing or how I was going to get through sure. it, but it was like, all I'm going to do is take one step forward and, you know, figure it out. And if we take a couple back, it's okay. Cause I have people that will help me or carry me through. Because there are those moments where you do, I mean, I've definitely lived them where I needed my people where we don't, we didn't have things in common, but I knew that I needed them and that I needed their support to get through to the other side. Absolutely. That is incredible advice. I love that. Thank you for bringing that up and naming that a hundred percent. And you've talked a little bit about it at the top of, of this interview. We've talked a little bit more about it just now. But how have you went about engaging and building community with other adoptees? And do you have like one piece of advice that you could give, maybe separate from what the the advice that you literally just gave to other adoptees who might be just on the cusp of trying to find their people or find the community that they can maybe take with them out of this conversation to start that journey for themselves? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, for me, it's always been through, you know, like social media and then networking. Um, I think when I first started searching, there was a Facebook group that was tied to just Colombian adoptees. And then Mm. from there, I met some folks um, within the Oregon community. Um, And really, that's been so helpful. It's just like going online, trying to find, you know, organizations or people that are doing and having conversations that are that are helpful it's scary and it can be an exhausting journey but i think start there i think just looking locally see what's what's nearby and and take giving yourself permission like i had a friend recently who joined um the last bipoc adoptee group it was their first one and i told her i said you know come through And if it doesn't feel good or you get too triggered, you can always leave. Mm. You can always walk away. And I feel like that is something that is so important in anything, right? But I think especially if you're on the cusp of like figuring out like how to dip in, how to get through into it, like just try a little bit. And if it's too much, like 
back away and know that it doesn't mean that it's forever. It means that it's maybe not the right time and that's okay. Right. And I think I mentioned this in the beginning, right. Where it's like, it can be seasons where Mm -hmm. you are ready and then seasons where you're just not. But I think just allowing yourself the opportunity and like what we've shared as a theme, right. Just give it a try. Right. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And if you walk in and the first five minutes are impactful or just even seeing someone else that looks like you, right? And that like has gone through that same experience, that in itself might be enough for today, uh, for the for the moment. But I think yeah. just allowing yourself the ability and the and the grace to tap out if you can't is so important in this work. Like it really, I mean, it is healing, but it is it is hard stuff. You know, it is it is hard to to get through. I think that would be my biggest my biggest advice there. That is excellent, excellent advice. And something that I've been sharing with adoptees recently, because I went to these two really big conferences and it can feel like when you enter in community and you go to these events, like you have to go to every session that you have to make friends with all the people there that you have to do all of these things. And at the end of the day, you're exactly right. If it's like, I'm not comfortable in this space yet, or this is not for me at the moment. It's okay to step away. And that doesn't detract at all from you as a person, as what you want to do as an adoptee. Like if you're not ready to do that, that's totally okay. But the fact that you gave yourself the opportunity, gave yourself grace and permission to step into the space, even for five minutes, even for 10 minutes, whatever it might be, that's already making tangible progress for yourself. So you have literally come in here and in 42 minutes dropped so much knowledge, taught not only myself, but I feel like everybody listening to this episode, everybody who's going to be listening to this in the future, watching it on YouTube, wherever it might be that they might be accessing this. You just gave us an incredible education in what you can do in, in 40 short minutes. That takes a lot of labor, emotionally, mentally, physically, everything to to come in and share not only your own story, but to drop nuggets of wisdom and advice for people. And I really, really appreciate it. Who are you learning from right now? Who do you find wisdom and inspiration from in your community, around you, wherever it might be? Thanks, Patrick, for the kind words. Um, really appreciate it. I I mean, for me, it's always back to to community. It's you know, I have um, a good friend named Astrid who runs Adoptee Mosaic. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but she's amazing. And we've been friends for a really long time. And she's been someone that has continued to put out work um, and sessions that I think honestly touch on everything we shared today, whether it's you know adoptee-centered focus, but also she does work for parents that are looking to adopt and really gets in there to be like, are you fit for this? And Mm -hmm. really is like having those hard conversations. Um, But she's someone that I think I've really just enjoyed as a friend, but then also as a mentor too um, on just the work. And she's pushed me too. Like I've, Mm. I've, I'm not a huge fan of public speaking or engagement at all. And she's put me on. Well, she'll be like, hey, you should share. You should talk or, you know, meet these individuals. Um, that's a huge one that I would definitely drop through is, is Adoption Mosaic. They're local to Oregon, but they do a lot of different things, even for uh, partners. She's done, you know, podcasts and shows for for partners of adoptees. And that's been really helpful. Um, definitely her. And then I think, um, BIPOC adoptees is a big one recently that I've been involved in, obviously got to meet you through it and a part of that group. So definitely check them out on Instagram and just being open to 
you know, from those pages, follow who they're following, look mm. at what they're sharing. I think that's been a huge one for me. I, I can't remember the name right now, but um, a couple, couple weeks ago too, I joined like an adoptee only for trans oh, and okay. queer folks. And that was wild. It was global, which was really cool. And there was, I think like 15 of us, which I was like, this mm. is wild, but yeah. it was so beautiful. Um, and that happened from, again, just like, following someone on Instagram that had reposted something. So I definitely recommend that. And then, you know, I think too, just like my fellow other adoptees always give me strength and just that community of like, you know, if you have questions or just that community that like you just can't get anywhere else. Right. is super, super important. I love that. Um, BIPOC adoptees, obviously this is why we're doing this whole series and having this conversation right now, <laughs> yeah. but Astrid and adoption mosaic, love them like this show exists and my other show exists and any adoptee work exists because of folks like her who have been doing it for literally over two decades i've had the privilege of not only meeting ostrich and having great conversations even just three weeks ago but to do a panel with uh with adoption mosaic and yeah like the fact that she not only like puts on for adoptees but finds ways to educate and help other folks who are part of this constellation is so, so important because so important. a lot of times we can just, we can really push people away. And at the end of the day, we have to find ways to call people in. And yeah. she does that work. Uh, yeah. What they do at Adoption Mosaic, Shalise, everybody there does that work. And I'm so, so grateful to them for doing it because it's hard and it's difficult. And they not only persevere, but thrive in that space. And yeah. we are all the better for it, for them doing that. So I really love that you, that you mentioned her and Adoption Mosaic. So, so important to our entire community and everything that we do here. Um, and I will definitely link all of that in the show notes as well. Danny, again, it has been an absolute privilege to have this conversation with you. One final question. How do we, how does our audience, how do the people listening or watching or however they're looking at this and, and taking this in right now, how do they support you going forward? Thanks so much, Patrick. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Danny Mar Vibes. Um, and you can also follow me on um, on my site, DannyMar.com for any photography needs. But really the main one, you can always, you can find me through Insta. Happy to chat through any projects. Um, you know, always looking for community and building more friendships. So definitely hit me up there. One of the things too, Patrick, before we, we log off that yeah. I forgot to mention, even if you're looking or even if you're not looking, right, for reunion... Something that's been huge for me is just the realization, Taz, is that our birth family, um, they've never left us. They're always with us at any mm. point. And I think that was something that never resonated with me until after reunion where like really little si silly things that I never thought about, like hobbies, sports, like things that I liked. Um, I always liked going, Taz, sorry, my dog is <laughs> like good. really wanting to chat. All but good. I, I had always wanted to ride motorcycles as a kid, just a short example. But I loved motorcycles, um, being on two wheels forever. When I met my dad, I had like this weird feeling where I was like, I think he rides. And then I asked and sure enough, him and everyone else in my family, that's what mm. they did. And another little one is I love whales. They've been my favorite animal forever. When I met my brother on my mom's side, he had a whale tattooed on his arm. And so do I. Different whale, wow. but we both loved the same whale. And it was just one of those things where I was like, holy crap. 
But I remember that it resonated with me because my brother is not searching and doesn't really want to search. But it was one of those things where I said, hey, I just want you to know that they're always with you, that we have no idea and we'll never know, but they really are. And I think that's something that I just can't imagine as, as, as a kid, if we heard that, how much more healed we'd be, right? Or if we just knew, like, I know we know that we look like someone that we have no idea who, but just knowing that there's other things that we carry with, with us from our ancestors is such a healing, healing message that I hope to share more with folks, because I think it really does make such a big impact because it doesn't matter if you, if you know them or not, they're still with you. And, and it's to your point earlier, it's such a adoption is such an isolating, lonely experience, but I do think that that little piece it allows me to have comfort even now. And it allows me to know, like, I had always had them with me. I just didn't know. And I think it's so, it's such a healing message that, you know, it is, it is hurtful and maybe people will reject it, but it, it will also maybe feel some sort of healing for other folks that need it. So that was just something that I wanted to end with. Um, that I just think it's, it is really important to just know as adoptees. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's a perfect way to close our conversation. Danny, again, thank you so much for sharing way more than I think we were. I was expecting you to come on and share because you just have a really unique story and a a really unique lived experience. And I just really, really appreciate you giving me the privilege of being able to share some of that with, with our audience here and with the world. And... I'm just really, really grateful to now know you and to know about the work that you're doing and the way that you build community and the things that you're sharing with other adoptees specifically who might be coming into their own, looking for ways, looking for community, looking for resonation with other folks who have a similar lived experience. And it means a lot to be able to have sit down and have this conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Patrick. Really appreciate you and the work you're doing and allowing us to share our story. Um, What you're doing is also really great. So keep it up. And I'm really excited to get to know you too. And you have a friend now. So it's always fun to to meet more folks, but really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I love it. I'm really excited to be able to meet you in person. Really excited to continue to have conversations with you and to just learn more from you as well. So For everybody else listening, you can find the links to everything that Danny is doing and to connect with Danny online in the show notes here. You can also find us on Instagram at Conversation Podpiece. If you do feel so inclined to leave a rating or review on whatever player or thing that you're listening or watching this on right now, we would greatly appreciate it. And if you are interested in supporting the show in the future in any way, feel free to hop in our DMs or visit our website, ConversationPeacePod.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick Armstrong, and this has been Conversation Peace. Thanks, Danny.